Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Hello, how you doing? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We're going to declare what we believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to be in the house of God this morning. Let's declare what we believe. You ready? Let's believe in faith. You ready? Are you ready? Are you guys ready? Hallelujah. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He'll come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen, 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 amen. Now before you sit down, just declare the peace of God over a couple people near you today. Declare healing over some people near you today. Just declare refreshing over some people near you today. I declare peace and refreshing over you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All his blessings on your life. Hallelujah. 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 Students are back in school now, right? Yeah, well, the, 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 and all the parents said. <laughs> Get that free uh, child care kicking in in the summer. My bride sends her greetings today. She is in, uh, my wife, of course, a uh, mental health counselor, and she has some training that she has to do over this weekend. And so she's watching online. Uh, well, she's not supposed to be. She's supposed to be in class. But if she is watching online, hello, beautiful. I love you. And um, uh, so uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, we do love her. David, you get to do that thing we talked about. We're good to go. Hallelujah. 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 I've... Um, I found that God is good, and He's even better than I thought. And today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, some of you will come to the revelation that Jesus is better than you thought. That is my promise to you today. He is better than you thought. You know, when I was, um, when I was 18, many of you know my story, but I grew up relatively broke, and by relatively, I mean broke, right? Uh, grew, grew up uh, broke, broke, and, um, and, and uh, by, by, I moved out of my house when I was young, as those who know my story, um, kind of lived on my own uh, for a long time. I made that work for several years, but by the time I was about 18, um, actually when I was 17, I was kind of homeless, living on my friend's floor, didn't know Jesus, didn't really have anything going on in my life. I had uh, only finished the ninth grade. And uh, I uh, joined, uh, I finally realized that the military was hiring, and they provide food and housing, uh, which was a good thing. And uh, since I needed both, I joined the military. And uh, I wound up, long story short, about six years in, was in a helicopter crash, uh, hurt my back, and uh, I got out of the military because of that. And um, when I got out of the, of the military, I had a bad back, and, uh, uh, but at least I had a little bit of money in the bank, and um, I decided to go to college. 
and uh, went to college and uh, um, graduated, did, did okay with that, uh, but you know, had a series of jobs. Some had health care, some didn't have health care. Uh, side note, it's kind of crazy in America that health care is tied to your job, amen? It, it, it doesn't make any kind of sense, right? Like, health care should not be tied to, like, an employer shouldn't be able to hold that over you. Right? Like, we should, like healthcare, we should be able to, I don't know, figure out a way. Right? And so for years, sometimes I had healthcare, sometimes I didn't have healthcare. And then Obamacare came out, and a whole bunch of Christians didn't like it. And I was like, healthcare, I'm, I feel like Jesus is okay with that. Right? He healed people, feel like that would be something he would be for. And so uh, my family signed up for Obamacare. And, uh, and uh, whether you love uh, President Obama or not, uh, I was happy about Obamacare because I needed some healthcare. And so uh, we signed up for that for the first year and uh, just got the cheapest plan I could get so we could just have some sort of health care going on. And, um, and uh, it had been, I'd been out of the military for, I don't know, 15 years at this point. And, uh, and uh, the next year we went to sign up again and they wouldn't let me sign up. And uh, I had a, had a really low level health care plan. Uh, a couple weeks earlier, I had been trimming the tree in my house uh, uh, and um, as I was, I had a big palm tree in my front yard. And I was up on a ladder, and I was trimming it, and this big old palm frond came down and smacked me in my forehead, split my forehead open, I was bleeding everywhere, I had to go to the hospital, I had to pay out of pocket for all that, and, uh, and uh, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a petty man, so I had that tree cut down uh, the next week. <laughs> I was like, two can play this game, huh? <laughs> I got money, you don't. So we cut down the, the palm tree, it's now gone, it's, my memory has been erased from my life, and... Um, signed up to get some Obamacare to renew my, um, my, my Obamacare thingy. And uh, they said, no, you, you, you can't get it. And I was like, what are you talking about? I, I need health care. This is for people without health care. And they're like, oh, no, you have VA health care. I was like, no, I don't. They told me when I got out, I would only have it for 18 months. And so, you know, I've been going these 10, 15 years with no health care. And they're like, oh, no, no, you have VA health care. I'm like, no, 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 actually, I, I don't have VA health care. They said, well, we need you to go to the VA and get a letter proving that you have VA healthcare. Now, I had just made installments on this hospital visit to get my head stitched up and had wood coming out of my head for like a week and a half. It was a crazy thing. So my wife drives with me to the VA hospital in West Palm Beach up there up, uh, in North Palm off of uh, North Lake in Blue Heron, wherever that is. And we go up there and I'm like, hey, I need a letter proving that I don't have VA healthcare. They're like, oh, no, no, you have VA healthcare. I was like, wait, wait, what? They're like, oh, no, no, you've had VA health care since you got out of the VA. You got out on a medical discharge. You've had free health care all this time. No deductibles. Everything's covered. You've had it all this time. And I'm, and I'm here living like, you know, like I'm, I'm, in, I'm in some third world country with no health care. You know, I'm, I got prayer teams happening on things that I could just go to a doctor and get a shot for, but I'm too cheap to go see a doctor to get fixed. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm walking with a limp. I got things happening. And I had, I had health care this whole time, had no idea, registered in the system, got a little card and I'm like, oh no, everything's free from now on. I'm like, everything? Like everything. I'm like, well, that would have been good to know, you know, when I got my head split open and I'm at the hospital paying money for this thing. I had no idea that I had this benefit this whole time and was still spending out of pocket. And I don't want to sound trite, but so many of us come to Christ, get saved, and think like, oh, I was homeless, now I have a home, but that's all there is to it. But there's actually a benefit that keeps giving and giving and giving our entire lives and keeps getting better by the fact that we receive Christ, but we live as some sort of broke person because we don't know what we actually have in Jesus. And today, 
Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you from the scriptures. I'm going to talk to you from my life. I'm going to talk to you from revelation with one goal. That you would recognize that Jesus has more for you than you're already receiving. Say amen. What I am going to do, amen, what I am going to do is I am going to provoke your spirit, man, to hunger for what Christ actually has for you in this life. You say amen? amen. All right, if you believe me, go ahead and uh, turn your Bible to John chapter 8. Before you get there, I want to ask you, uh, you know, last week we focused on one question, super important question, maybe the most important question anybody will ever ask you have you met Jesus? Have you met Jesus? People are like, I don't know how to evangelize. I don't know how to share my faith. Here, let me help you. Let me help you out. I got, I got four words you can say to somebody. Have you met Jesus? It's amazing how many people know religion. They might know church. They might know politics. But they haven't actually met Jesus. They, 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 they may have grown up with a faith, and, and here's what happens. We, 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 we can turn our religion on autopilot. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You turn it on autopilot. You go to church, maybe. You might serve. You know the phrases, like when someone asks you about Jesus, you know the, oh, he's, he's a good God all the time, all the time. God's good. Like, you know the phrases. You know how to put on the church mask. But they don't know how to wear Jesus. They don't know how to wear Christ. They don't know how to actually come into a super intimate relationship with God in a way that transforms who we are. And uh, it, it grieves me because Christ did not come so that we can have a new club to attend. Jesus did not come for a new source of entertainment. He didn't come so that we can have a place that we get to dress up for every Sunday. He didn't come so that we could have a, even to have a group of friends. He came so that we could be transformed and adopted into the family of God. But that only happens once you meet Jesus. Now listen, I'm going to preach this whether you like it or not, uh, whether you get excited about it or not, because the simple truth of the gospel is what changes your life. It is the gospel that changes lives. It, 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 it's not fancy preaching. It's, it's not super cool graphics. I got nothing against graphics. I got nothing against smoke. I got nothing against amazing worship. I'm, I got nothing against big churches. I got nothing against little churches. I got a problem with people who sell religion and make you think you got it all. We have to meet Jesus. It all has to point to Jesus because... Jesus died for a reason. And this is what we're going to dig in today. John chapter 8, <clears throat> starting in verse 31. Are you good? Yeah. <clears throat> so Jesus, in John chapter 8, Jesus was talking to these Jewish leaders and he says to them, <clears throat> so Jesus was saying, verse 31, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, right? Now, now this is super important. <clears throat> in this church, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? amen? We believe that the Spirit of God will come and bring you an encounter that will utterly change your life. We believe in a baptism of the Spirit that gives you power, gives you freedom, gives all, just like, just like has the Spirit of God living on the inside of you in ways that you communicate with 
God. We believe it. But we also believe that this spirit baptism, this supernatural revelation, has to be tied to the Word of God. It has to be anchored in the truth, the eternal truth of God's Word. It has to be built upon the sacred text which has once been passed down for all generations. This faith that our fathers died for. This faith that changes life and changes the world. We have to be true to these scriptures and we have to rightly divide the word of truth. Otherwise, you build your house upon sand. And if you build your house upon sand, the Bible says the storms will come and destroy it. And I'm here to let you know storms will come into your life. And if you are not familiar with how to rightly divide the word of truth, if you've just been given little sayings, if you've just been taught little pithy things that you can quote when someone is challenging your religiosity, if you just learn how to sing the songs and do the dance, your house does not stand against storms. There is a whole generation of people deconstructing their faith completely because they've been taught things that are not actually scriptural. It is the church's fault that we have deconstruction happening. It is not, the, it's not like the devil didn't need help. We've been teaching stuff that isn't true. And we have to learn the word of God. Are you with me? Does anybody here love the Bible? Yeah. Amen. We love the word of God and we have to rightly divide it. So when we read this scripture right here, we have to recognize who is Jesus talking to? Who is he talking to? First of all, he's not talking to you, right? But he is talking to someone. Who is he talking to? Says right here in verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him. Now they were Jews and they believed Jesus. So he's not just talking to those who oppose him. He's not talking to those who are wanting to crucify him. He's not talking to those pagans. He's not talking to Samaritans. He's talking to Jews who believed him. So we can then read this scripture and say, well, maybe it's partially for me as well. Because I believe him. Do you believe him? All right, so this may be for us as well. He says, listen, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you or set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Amen, amen, and amen. Now, here, here's something we have to ask ourselves as we rightly divide the word of truth. Um, Jesus was standing in front of people who had studied the scriptures their entire life and did not understand that this Messiah they've been praying for was standing in front of them. So it is possible for you and I to miss Jesus when he comes by. That Jesus might actually be doing something different than we prayed for, might be moving in a way opposite of what we had hoped for, but he's actually moving in a way that will set us free. Now I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach this whether you get excited or not, but one day this message will resonate in your spirit, man, and say, this is a truth I needed. Because this is going to change lives right here. If when you sign up for your walk with Jesus, some people like to, like to give a pitch, like, hey, everything you ever wanted, it's all in Jesus. And if you sign up today for the low, low price of your life, 
You'll get mansions and monies and happies and, and, and all. And, and, and Jesus is like, no, no, what you get is even better. You get God. And you get God's plan for your life. This is, this is what you actually get. Well, what's it cost? Well, it costs you pretty much everything. It costs you your life. It costs you your will. It costs you whatever plans you came up with on your own. It costs you what you find valuable in this world. You give that up and you get riches that last forever. You get riches that do not go bad. You get riches that do not spoil. You get a truth that will be with you forever. You get a God who will never leave you. This is the reward. I, I, I want you all to be firmly grounded in the word of truth because God is going to set some people free today. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Jesus made, or excuse me, Paul is making this, this, this point to um, the church in Rome. And he says, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, this no condemnation means it's not possible to be condemned. Now, in prison, those who are condemned are those on death row. Death row means you, your, your, your sentence ends in death. You are condemned. This sentence will never be commuted. You will never come to the end of this. This is now who you are. This is forever. You are condemned. Now, many of us live a life of condemnation, we don't even know it. We have resigned ourselves to lives that God said you would be free from. We have put ourselves on death row, even though Jesus Christ has unlocked the door, he's unlocked the prison gate, he's given us the keys, he's given us a new life, he's given us a house, he's given us a car, but we still live in shackles, we still live in prison cells of depression and anxiety and, 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 and um, uncertainty and, 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 and poverty, even though he has given us keys to be free. We live under a condemnation that Jesus Christ has set us free from. You see, in the Bible, we talk a lot about getting saved. I have witnessed to people many times, and you say to them, hey, man, have you been saved? And they're like, I'm not ready to get saved yet. And I'm like, what, what, what could you possibly mean by that? They're like, no, no, my mom goes to church, my grandmama goes to church, I'm not ready to get saved yet. And I'm like, clearly you don't know what it means to be saved. Clearly, you know, it's like it's like if you were to go into the middle of the ocean where a, a ship had been sinking and a person had been treading water and they're like, well, I just kind of like to swim. And you're like, no, no, you are drowning in the middle of the ocean. There are sharks in this water. When night comes, you will be dinner. Well, I like swimming. No, no, I am really here to save you. This is not about, well, I don't know. I was on the boat once. And the boat sank. I'm not sure I want to get on another boat. Well, I understand that. I understand that you're scared of the boat of church or you're on the boat of religion. But the one you are on sank and this one is a rescuing boat. I know you think where you're at now is safe, but there are sharks and there are elements and the waves are going to come and you are not going to survive the dark night without salvation. You see, we, 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 we don't understand that salvation does not mean we're invited into religion. The, the word salvation in the Bible is actually the word sozo. Many of you know this. And sozo, of course, can be translated as salvation. But it means so much more than that. It means to be made whole. It means to be set free. In Matthew 1.21, it said of Jesus, John said of Jesus, he says that Jesus... This is the man, Jesus, who, uh, who shall save his people 
from their sins. He says that he shall sozo them from their sins. And many of us know sozo or salvation that way. But in Matthew 8, he says, he says, he says to the people, the Bible says that when they were in the boat and the boat was sinking, remember this, the, the waves were going crazy and then there was a little boat going across the Sea of Galilee and, 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 and Jesus walked out to them and the people cried out to Jesus as their boat was sinking. They said, Lord, sozo us because we are perishing. In Matthew 9, 21, there was the woman with the issue of blood and she pushed her way through the crowd. She had had, who knows what this issue was. I, my, my personal belief is that she had fibroids. That's, that's just makes sense to me. And she had had this issue of blood for nine years and she was unclean and couldn't come into the city. She was castigated and she was set apart and she couldn't come into community. She was cut off from her own people. She was cut off from her religion, cut off from her town, but she pressed through the crowd. She touched Jesus. And the Bible says in Matthew 9, 21, that she touched his garment. She said, if I touch his garment, I shall be sozo. Made whole. Now, we don't know what it means to be whole anymore because we compare ourselves to people that should not really be the measuring sticks for our lives. And so we try to become them even though they aren't sozo. And so we just become twice a slave of popularity that they are, or twice a slave of money that they are, or twice the slave of sex that they are. When we come into Jesus, he gives us a new frame of mind, a new way of looking at the world. And I think many of us, unfortunately, we have come to just accept the lives that we were given. We just think, well, this is who my family is. This is, this is who I am. We might have dreams of coming up. We might have some fantasy of coming into a new land of some lotto life that someday we're going to get a bag or someday we're going to have whatever. But, but <laughs> this, 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 but we have accepted, we have accepted that our whole lives were going to be broke. That this is who we are. That's for them. That's not really for me. And so we resign ourselves to this broke lifestyle. And we don't live a life of financial literacy. We don't live a life of saving. We don't live a life of delayed gratification. Because we have resigned ourselves to always being broke. And we need sozo. We might live a life of thinking that we're never going to have healthy relationships, so we just settle for unhealthy relationships. We don't think that we're going to have a life where we can be treated well, so we accept being treated poorly. We don't think that we can be invited into circles that we believe we're supposed to be in, so we allow ourselves to live beneath instead of above because we need sozo. Is this making sense? Let me say it this way. If you lay in bed at night, and your body is tired, but your mind is running. If your muscles are achy and ready for rest, but your heart is ready to run a race, you need sozo. This is the promise of God. Sometimes it's hard to hope that the long, painful season can come to an end. I mean, I, I, I think... I think that one of the hardest things to do sometimes in life is to hope. Can we just be honest for a second? And sometimes it's easier just to give up. Sometimes it's easier just to say, well, this is it. That's all there is. I'm not going to come out of this. I just want to hold on and make it through. I just want to save my dignity, 
just want to get a little bit of rest, a little bit of peace. I know what I'm supposed to do, or I know what they say, but it didn't work for me, and so maybe this is just my lot in life. Maybe, maybe you thought you were called to something. Maybe you thought something was going to work. Maybe you, maybe you, you thought that you were going to get that college degree and then come into that great career and or you thought that that relationship was going to be the forever relationship. Or you thought, the, and then it didn't. And it's harder to hope now than it was to dream before. We need sozo. We need to be healed. I have a, I have a belief that the greatest faith that there is, is faith after failure. Don't, don't tell me your little, your dreams at 18. I mean, I love them. I'm excited for you. I believe in God with you. And if you're 18 and you got dreams, I hope you realize every single one of them. But I like the person who falls in love after having been dumped. I, I love the person who tries to start a business after the last one bankrupt them. I, I, I love walking with the person who has prayed for 100 people and none of them got healed, but they're willing to stretch out their hand again and believe God and quote the scriptures and said, by his stripes you shall be healed. That's the faith I want to be around. That's the faith I want to be around. This is God's hope. The hope and faith after failure. The person who walks with a limp and says, yet still I will serve God. You see, the devil's got an answer for all your failures. The devil has an answer for every disappointment you had in your life. The devil has a reason why you have not come into what you thought you were going to come into. And I'm here to tell you today, every single one of them is a lie. It is a lie. He can't do nothing but lie. As a matter of fact, if you want to know the truth, just start listening to those things that race through your mind at night. It's the opposite of that. God ain't keeping you awake with uh, what could go wrong. I'll tell you that much. That ain't the promise of God. Is anybody with me here today? Come on, somebody. So let me, let me break this down for you as I've already gone too long in my intro. <laughs> God created you to live with him and just be an extension of his love in the world. This is who you're created to be. And then there's this little thing called sin, right? Sin comes and it cuts us off from what God has for us. And, and here's, what, here's what Peter, who I feel like knew Jesus pretty well, said about sin. Watch this. Go ahead, put it up if you would. He says, for whoever, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. It says, whatever sin you have in your life, you're a slave to that sin. It's not possible for you to have some sin. Sin has you. Sin has, sin has us. And, 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 and according to the law, there's no cleansing of sin without the shedding of blood. In the old covenant, they had to bring these sacrifices and these offerings to the temple. And they would slay these rams and goats and, and, and sacrifice these birds to, to, to cover sin. But in the new covenant, the Bible says, according to the law in Hebrews chapter 9, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And Jesus Christ was the sacrifice. He was that blood sacrifice for our 
sins. And so this sin nature cut us off from God, but the sacrifice of Jesus cleanses us of that sin. Well, that means that, means that wow, we've, we've, we come into a new reality now. We have to recognize that the blood of Jesus brings us into a new reality. And if we are no longer marred by our sin, we're now free to do something different than what the world is doing. Come on, somebody. Being religious is not enough, though. Being religious won't do it. Just, just being religious doesn't get you there. Because the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We need to recognize our sin nature, and we need to declare our forgiveness every day. Now, I'm not getting religious right now, and I'm not want you to be sin conscious. I don't want you focusing on your sin. I don't want you to constantly beat yourself up and look for every sin. But Jesus did say when you pray, ask God to forgive you of your sins and to forgive the people who sinned against you. He said, when you pray, pray this way. How often are you supposed to pray? He said, in the morning, I shall rise and give you praise. And before I go to bed, I shall praise you. I mean, so at least twice a day, we should be praying. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father's in heaven, holy is your name. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. We don't know who we are because we don't know what he's done for us. We can completely forget what Jesus did for us, which was bring us into relationship with the Father through the shedding of his own blood. And since we don't, since, see in America, we just like, you could be broke and still have a cell phone. Broke in America means I don't have everything I want. Now, I've been broke. I know what broke is. If you're out there, just how are you going to pay your bills? I feel you. I'm not, I'm not minimizing where you're at. Been there a little too often, right? And so I pray for financial breakthrough in your life. However, uh, there's a good part of America that never has to pray, give us today our daily bread. So they don't think they need to pray the next line, forgive us our sins. And you will find the less someone has to pray for their daily bread, the less they think they need to be forgiven. We don't recognize we're spiritually broke because we think we're physically rich and it somehow makes us righteous. The Bible calls this the spirit of mammon. There's a reason Jesus warned about getting rich. Because when you get physically rich, you think you're spiritually rich. You think somehow that my, my physical wealth makes me better than other people. Therefore, I am spiritually wealthy. Not recognizing how spiritually broke we are by that very mindset. We pray until we get a breakthrough. And when we get the breakthrough, we leave God until we need a new breakthrough. Is this resonating with anybody? I just want to bring some conviction so we can get you into freedom. We got to recognize that our, our, our need for spiritual victory is every day. So as we pray the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins, we need to be specific. Jesus, I had this heart issue today. I was nasty with that person in Publix. I was short with my children. Yes, you have to repent for being nasty to your kids. Yes, when your mom is annoying, you have to repent of being nasty to your mom, even when she's annoying. This is like, you're like, even, even her? Yeah. Yeah, even her. Jesus is like the people closest to you. We're supposed to be best to them. And often they get the worst of us. That's why he's talking about your neighbor. You know, when Jesus talked about your neighbor, he actually meant the person closest to you. He didn't mean, you know, in Canada or go to the third world country. I mean, those people close to you. He wants you to love on them real well. Is this making sense? Come on, I'm trying to get you ready for freedom. I'm trying to get you ready for freedom. But being religious is not enough. 
Watch this. <clears throat> Jesus said to them, watch this, in John chapter 8, we're going to revisit it. He said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. These are people who already believed in him. These are people who already believed in Jesus, and Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you will in the future become free. There's a whole lot of believers living in bondage because they do not know how to continue in God's word. He said, it's not enough just to call yourself a believer. You have to continue in his word. And, they, and these people, they were Jews. They were God's people. Like they thought that just, you know, I, I, I go to church. I go to temple. I, I'm living the life. I'm the people. It, 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 I, who are you talking about if we're not right with God? Who is? Here's what he says. Watch this. John 8, 33. He said, they answered him. Are, are, we are Abraham's descendants. And have you never yet, we have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? I, 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 want, you to, I want you to recognize the cognitive dissonance of that sentence. Like they had come under Babylonian captivity. The history of Israel is the history of being conquered by sin, being conquered by their enemies, carried away and enslaved. And as a matter of fact, at the time of Jesus, Israel had been conquered by Rome. They were slaves of Rome. They didn't own their own land. They weren't able to govern their own um, religion. They weren't able to govern their own civil affairs. At that very moment, they were in bondage and they couldn't even see it. We've never yet been enslaved to anyone. Brother, have you met Jesus? Have you met Jesus? This is why Paul told us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Here's what I want you to get out of this scripture. This scripture gets preached a lot. I want you to get this. Uh, re what religion focuses on is the first phrase. Don't be conformed to this world. That's not the point of the scripture. The point of the scripture is, hey, the world has an identity for you, but Jesus has an identity. And this is what we're supposed to be focusing on, what Jesus has for you. Now, we get transformed by the renewing of our mind. I, I, uh, over the years as a pastor, I, get, um, I, 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 I have wives who come to me for marriage counseling. And I don't do marriage counseling for um, one part of a marriage. It don't work. I especially do not do marriage counseling with wives about their husbands. That is a good way to catch a beat down in my world, right? Like, you don't like, I'm going to meet with your wife and talk about you. That's, that, Duke, that's not going to happen. Mike, that, that's not a good idea, right, Mike? Like, that's, that's, just, that's just not what you want to do. Like, that is not a pastor. You go back to their church. But I have wives who come to me and want to tell me what's wrong with their husband and hope that I will go and rebuke their husband. I'm like, first of all, I don't want nothing to do with that. Thank you very much. <laughs> Second of all, you can't change anybody. I, I, want you to, I, want you to, I want you to get this in your mind. You cannot change anybody. Ladies, as you're dating, no projects. No projects. 
You cannot, see, men don't even think that way. Men just think, I'll marry her, she'll follow me, everything will be fine, right? That's how we think, right? I mean, like, this is, like, we don't think we have to change. We think you're automatically going to change, right? Like, I'm here now. Obviously, your life will be different. That's how men think. We don't think project. We think, that might work. She'll follow me. We'll go, right? Like, that's how, that's how men think. Women think, hmm, I could probably change him. And then they get like, I thought he would change. And I'm like, I don't know why. Like, this is, this is the man you married, right? Like, it's, it's funny when you sit down in marriage counseling and they're like, uh, did he start doing this after you got married? And like, no, he's always done this. Like, so this is the man you married, right? Like, I, 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 so you, you can't change anybody. You want to change your neighbor. You want to change your mom. You want to change your family. You want to change, like, your, your, these people at work. You can't change anybody, right? You can barely change you. Just break three habits before you try to change somebody else, right? Three. Just break three habits. And you will recognize the futility of trying to change someone else. All you can do is control somebody else, and then they won't stick around for long. Here's how we change. Are you ready? The Bible actually tells us, and here's the point of this scripture. He says, be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. All you can do is teach people. And as people learn... They make choices to have their mind renewed and change who they are. You can't change anybody. You can teach them how to renew their own mind so they can look at something different and behave differently. So in your marriage, if your husband is doing whatever, what you can do is teach him the effects of what he's doing. You say, when you do this, I feel like you don't respect me. And that's totally up to you, but I don't know that I want to stay in the same bedroom as somebody who doesn't respect me. Help me understand what you're trying to communicate when you say this to me. Now we're educating and we can make educated choices. Is this making sense? We have to be vulnerable and and communicate what they don't know. Give them information they don't have so that they can make choices to change. Are we we tracking here? Is this landing? Am am I I doing all right? Am I doing okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I I doing okay? Ceci, is this good? Okay, good. All right, I'm trying to preach the gospel here. I'm trying to help you all out. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may. How do we know if our mind is renewed? Here, we do that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Now, if you wind up screaming at people that you're trying to change, your mind needs to be renewed because you are not doing that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Because what is perfect? The love of God is perfect. And as we are displaying God's love in the midst of our conflict, we're helping people renew their mind about how our relationship is going to operate. Is this, okay, I'll just move on. I hope, I hope this is helping somebody here. I hope this is helping somebody here. <clears throat> and so as we move in Christ and we are renewed by God's word, we come into what God has for us. I'm going somewhere with this, so I hope you're just tracking with me. Thanks, Mike. And so we have this habit. We have this habit. We're just having a family talk today. I hope hope that's all right. We have this habit in our lives of uh, minimizing our problems and maximizing other people's problems. You ever notice that? You ever notice, like, for me, it was an accident, but for them, it's a character flaw. For me, I slipped up, but that's who they really are. You know, I was tired. Give me some grace. You're a jerk. Come on, can we be honest? This is, aren't you glad Jesus didn't like that? Aren't, aren't you glad he wasn't on the cross and been like, really? Are you serious? Right? Like, 
Seriously, I came for you and this is really. I tried, you know, kill them all, God. Like, you know what I mean? Like, aren't you glad? Could you, I mean, what would you have done? Like, you, I, I just buy my kids meals and they complain about the sauce. And I'm like, really? Really? I, I went all the way here and bought this meal. You, you couldn't say thank you. Complain about, I got the wrong dipping sauce. Like, really? Just give me the food back. Give me all the food back. Buy your own food, right? Right? Just one little, like, we get salty off of one little bad thing. And Jesus is like, really? I come to save you all. And this is how you pay me back. Like, I didn't need a crown. But this, really? Really? Right? But Jesus, again and again, is like, no, I'll forgive you of your sin. I forgive you of your sin. I forgive you of your sin so that you can prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so we can be like, well, you know, I, I, I don't always do the right thing, but I, but I try. And, 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 and in James, he said this about, you know, that you tried. In, in, in chapter 4, he says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. It's sin for them. Now, what he's not saying is if you know what's good, you're allowed to tell other people if they don't do it, it's sin. That is not a license for you to tell other people they're sinning. That's how God transforms you by the transforming of your mind. That's how he renews you by the transforming of your mind. Have you ever known that you were supposed to buy the check of somebody in the restaurant and you wrestled with it for a long time? You knew you were supposed to buy something for somebody and you're like, ooh, ah, mm, e, ah, I don't know. Is that... Is that now, that, that's sin if you, don't, if you don't go with that generosity. That's sin if when the conviction of the Lord comes and you're like, mm, should I do this good? It's not sin if I don't. But James is like, yeah, actually it is. It's sin. You're just like, oh, so you're saying I'm going to hell if I don't pay for that person in the restaurant? I'm saying, no, you've come short of God's perfect will. That's what I'm saying. You, you've not done that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. You have not fully been renewed to trust that God will actually pay you back that hundred dollars, thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. Like ah, I know I should be serving in children's ministry, but ah, I've been in church saved a long time, and you know I know they need people to serve, but if you know what to do and don't do it. Now, why, why am I saying this? Are you here to beat us up, Pastor? No, I want you to live free of sin. I want you to live free. I want the Holy Ghost, like, because, because, like, you know, my mom, I come from an Italian family, and uh, my mom is, is, like, old school Italian, and, uh, and so I call my mom, and the first thing she says is, oh, my son's still alive. I'm like, wait, like, can you just greet me with, like, happiness? Like, do, does this everything have to be a guilt trip? Does everything have to be, oh, look who finally called me. I'm like, I talked to you this morning. Like, what do you... Does it have to be like this, mom? Right? Like, does it does it have to be? And 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 like like, can you just can you just celebrate me, call? Can you can you can you make me? And this is like God is like you know when people when people behave like that, you want to reach out to them less. And when you are constantly rejecting the conviction of God, you're welcoming God less. The breakthrough in your life might be you actually responding to some of the conviction He's put on your heart about what you should be doing. People you need to love that you don't really want to love. Like you're just deleting that tweet maybe or that reply on Facebook or that, you know, just like uh, maybe, maybe, maybe this isn't actually love. Maybe I should not say that thing. Maybe I shouldn't, 
right? Now, obviously, if you're stuck in physical sin, stop it, right? But there's other sins in our lives that just keep us from God's best. And here, um, here, here's what Jesus, <laughs> Jesus wants you to live in prosperity. He wants you to live in prosperity. And prosperity is the ability and freedom to make good choices. Let me say that again. Let me give you a definition of prosperity. Prosperity is the ability and freedom to make good choices. Now, if you are poor financially and you can't buy quality foods, you are not in prosperity. You have to buy cheap stuff. God wants to bring you into the freedom to purchase what you need for your family. That's prosperity. But also prosperity is that you aren't bound with bitterness in your heart. You are so rich in forgiveness that you can give it away easily. That's prosperity. That when someone gets nasty with you, you don't live on such a tight edge and you're so insecure that you feel like you have to punish them for talking in a way that you didn't like. That is soul prosperity. That you see somebody hurting and you don't be like, Psh. I wish that person would get out of it. You would have so much love and compassion. You're so prosperous in your soul that you have enough to give somebody else. That's prosperity. We cannot live in prosperity and sin at the same time. Jesus took care of the sin problem so you can live in prosperity. Are you with me here? This is what he said and this is what John said. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. In the New American Standard Bible, it says, so that, that you may prosper, even as your soul prospers. Pastor, why are you teaching us all this? Because I want you to hunger for a better life. I want you to hunger for what Jesus died for on the cross for you to receive. I want that anointing that God has for you to come on your life so that you can change your life and the lives of people around you. Is that making sense? So how do we do this, Pastor? What do we do? Well, it's important that we understand that you can't do anything on your own. This is what the law proved. This is what the whole left side of the Bible is about. The whole left side of the Bible is you can't make yourself righteous. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it without God. You need God to come in your life and empower you to make change. You can't heal anybody. You can't fix anybody. You can't transform anybody. You can't lead. I can't lead this church. I can't do my ministry. My wife can't counsel well. We can't do anything without God's help. You can't raise your children well without God's help. You can't come into what God has for you without God's help. You cannot heal from the trauma of your past without God's help. Let, let, me, um, let me tell you what's going to happen. <clears throat> it's going to start today, but it's going to unpack over time. <clears throat> the Lord, in this day and age, have you noticed He's spotlighting mental health? Yes. Have you seen that? Like, you, you hear it everywhere. Um, mental health as far as um, people suffering with depression and anxiety. Mental health as, as far as um, just caring about other people's feelings. And have you noticed there's people who come against the church caring about people's feelings? It is the craziest, like, it is the weirdest phenomena I've ever, I've ever experienced. And, and I've, I've, I've explained, Duke, I've, I've experienced weird in church. Yeah. 
I've seen some weird. And Brent, you know what? I've seen weird, but more weird than rolling on the ground and barking like a dog is thinking that Jesus doesn't care about people's feelings. That's even more weird. That, that, I mean, there's nothing more weird than thinking Jesus does not care about people's feelings. He literally came from heaven to earth to heal people internally and externally. And to think that it is not his desire to bring peace to people is weird. That's, I, I don't, I don't, it's like I talk to people. I, well, I shouldn't go down this road, but I'm going anyways. I talk to people and they're like, you know, I don't really believe in apostles and prophets. I'm like, what Bible do you read? Like, I, I don't know how you read this Bible and don't see them. How do you read the Bible and not see prophets, Duke? I mean, is, is it, 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 they're in there. Last time I checked, they didn't take them out, right? I mean, like, they're in the Bible, right? I just, like, a, I, don't, I, I, don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't believe in all that healing stuff. I'm like, whoa, you're going to have a hard time reading the New Testament. It's, that's, a, that's a pretty difficult book to read if you don't believe big parts of it. That's, that's, it's, it's hard to read the Bible and not see healings. It's hard to see, read the Bible and not see miracles. It's all, I, I kind of feel like it's all over there, right? It's hard to read the Bible and not see that Jesus actually cares about people who are hurting. He cares about hurting people, and he has a plan to get people out of the pain and into prosperity. And it starts with dealing with our sin. It starts with ridding ourselves of the work of the enemy. And what's going to happen today is we're going to pray. In a moment, Stanley's going to come up and begin to play. And, um, uh, and then I'm going to pray. And what's going to happen is um, um, Holy Spirit's going to begin working on the inside of you. Now, some of us live in pain because that's where we're most familiar. Let me tell you, when I got out of, um, when I got out of the service, I was living a completely different life than when I went in the service. Like I... I did well, I flew in helicopters, I traveled around, I did all kind of just really, really, really neat stuff, and I got out and I wanted to go to school, and I moved right to the hood, like, that's like, like, like I was moving, like, people would come and be like, why do you live here? I'm like, why wouldn't I live here? You know why? Because it never came out of me. I hadn't gotten saved yet, right? And so, um, um, I got saved, and the Lord is like, you know, this is not who you actually are. I actually have an identity for you. And then I had to come to the fact that I was not living in what God had for me, and I had to figure out what He had for me. It was easier to stay in my brokenness than it was to make the journey into prosperity. Is anybody feeling what I'm talking about right now? I feel like I'm preaching better than you're talking back to me. I really feel like this is a, a better message than you're preaching back. I, I hope my, my goal here is that I am provoking you to dislike the dysfunction that defines your life. I see women in abusive relationships, and I just want to get abusive, right? Like, I, like, and I know that's not the answer. I'm like, what are you doing? And like, you don't want to play into what the enemy's doing already in their life. You stupid. What are you doing? Like, I know I'm stupid. That's why I deserve a bad relationship. You're like, okay, wrong answer, wrong tactic. The answer is we love people well. Watch this. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you how long? John 14, 16. Josh, throw it up there for me. I may have not given it to him, so you're just going to have to have your Bible or believe me. 
I will ask the Father. John 14, 16 and 17. I will ask the Father. And He will give you another helper. That He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him. But you know Him because He abides with you and will be in you. Let me read that one more time. I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him. But you know Him because He abides with you and will be in you. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Here we go. The world has daddy issues. The world has daddy issues. We do not know God as our heavenly father who loves us desperately, desperately, desperately loves us. Loves us so much that he gave his son to die on a cross so that you could be in relationship with him. Stanley, come up if you would. Whoever the worship team is going to be. He created you in his image and you chose sin over him, but he still chose you over wrath. He chose you over punishment. He's a loving father. He always looks at you with love. He has always looked at you with love. He will always look at you with love. It is his heart that you would receive his son Jesus Christ so that your sins could be washed away, but also so that this this spirit, Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will ask the Father, and he will give you the spirit. I will come to you. And then Jesus comes to us by way of his spirit. This is a powerful, powerful scripture we started off with. I will not leave you as an orphan. The world today lives as orphans, as if we have to make our way in the world on our own. Listen, you have not been orphaned. I don't know what your natural father was like. I don't know if he was amazing or he was terrible. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know if he was your greatest cheerleader or if he was your greatest disappointment. Chances are, if you've not had your mind renewed, you view your heavenly father through the lens of your earthly father. I've talked to so many people who are fearful that God will abandon them and it turns out their natural father was never around. Or their father was a a taskmaster who they could never measure up to and they think that they could never measure up to God. That is not your father in heaven. It's time to have your mind renewed so that you can be transformed. Watch this. God is a loving father and he wants to set you free from everything that keeps you from living your purpose. This is what Jesus told them at the end, John 8, after they said, oh, no, no, we've never been enslaved. He says, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. 
So if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. Now Jesus is doing a little play on words here. The slave does not abide forever. The Son lives in the house forever. Who's the Son he's talking about there? Well, he said, if the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. First, he's talking about himself. He will forever reside in the Trinity, the triune God, the the life of God. And since he will always be part of the Godhead, the triune God, he's inviting you into the, the life of the triune God. The Son remains forever. And so he's inviting you into daughterhood, sonship. He's inviting you in to abide within the triune life, to be transformed to the image of the cross, dead to sin and alive to God. This is the life he is inviting you into. This is the renewed mind he wants you to come to him from. This Holy Ghost activated life that you are no longer on your own trying to make your own way, but you fully trust that the living God, the Son of God who remains forever, has welcomed you in as a son, as a daughter, forever remaining within the Godhead. Then you will be free indeed. I'm going to close with four quick steps and I'm going to invite you to take those steps today. You got notes, you want to write these down, take a screenshot, do what you need to do. Number one thing, first we need to do, I have four R's for you. I never do this, but you got it today. Number one, we need to repent. We need to turn away from the life that we were living without God. We need to recognize that I am not living up to God's fullness and I need to repent. Repent does not mean like, oh, I'm a terrible person. It means, oh no, I'm turning away from thinking that I'm lousy. I'm turning away from the lies of the devil in my life. I'm turning away from the sin that I've given myself to. I'm turning away from denying who Jesus says I am and I'm going to embrace who Jesus says I am. I'm I'm turning away from it. Acts 3.19 Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So we need to repent of where we were. Second thing we need to receive. 1 John says this, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who's doing the cleaning there? Jesus. He cleanses, we live in the newness of life. So you repent, and then you receive. I receive my cleansing. I receive my salvation. I receive my sozo. But now, you're not a slave to the enemy anymore. Now we have a part to play. Now we need to rebuke those things which are not true. We need to actively engage in the renewing of our mind and engage in the spiritual warfare of rebuking every lie that comes to us. That little thing that whispers in your ear, why don't you go ahead and, you know, nobody's looking, you want that thing, just go ahead and steal it. Ah, you got a little, a little, a little, a little just looking at a little stuff that you know you're not, ah, just look for a little bit, it's not going to be a big deal. Ah, you know, go ahead and have that third, fourth, fifth, sixth glass of wine. 
Jesus drank wine, you know, for the sixth night this week. You have to rebuke those thoughts. The Bible says in James 4, Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And I, I wish, I wish, I wish I could just follow some of you around and read your minds as you are hearing the lies. I want to be like, that's a lie. That's not true. He's lying to you. He's lying to you. He's lying to you. I'm talking about your dating life and your spiritual life. He's lying to you. He's lying to you. That is not true. That is not true. It is not, no, not true. Ask his mom. None of that's true. It's not true. Don't believe it. He's lying. You need to rebuke the lies of the devil in your life. Sometimes you need to do that with your mouth. All day, every day. The thought comes in your mind, oh, uh, this is the day I'm finally going to have that heart attack and die. It's a lie. It's a lie. Today's the day all my friends are going to betray me. No, it's a lie. Oh, I'm so depressed. I need to just stay. No, no, you're not. Get up. Get up. You know you'll feel better if you walk around the block. Walk around the block before you decide you need to spend the day in bed. Get up. Get some sunshine. Do the dishes. Put on clean underwear. You'll feel better. Take a shower. Then decide whether or not you're depressed, right? Rebuke it. Oh, that person's trying to get over on you. Don't talk to them. Just ask them. Just ask him. I have this feeling, like, help me, help me understand what this relationship is about. Are you trying to get over on me right now, or what's, what's going on? Oh, it's in my head. Okay, I appreciate that. Okay, thank you. It's amazing what a little light does to the lie. It's amazing what a little bit of light does. The worst conflicts in my life are people who just gossip about me behind my back, don't come and ask me stuff. He done said this, and she done said that. You a gossip. Why would anybody listen to you? Just come and ask me. I've never been scared of any conversation. Let's talk. That's a devil. You've been listening to the devil. You know how many relationships die because people listen to the devil? It's you, your partner, and the devil. And one of you needs to get kicked out of the relationship. The devil. I feel like this is a good word, Sam. I'm, I'm, this is a good word right here. You need to start telling the devil to shut up. You know, with your mouth, shut up. Get in the shower. Have some spiritual warfare. Anybody have spiritual warfare in the shower? I know Duke does. I know, <laughs> I know Diane probably does. Come on, somebody. I'm in, the, I'm, in the, I'm in the shower rebuking all kinds of things. I come out of the shower, my wife be like, you all right? I'm like, I am now. The world is free. Probably people all over Boca getting delivered as I'm in there. I'm rebuking devils now. I'm just... just Rebuking people, rebuking all kinds of stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We need to repent. We need to receive. We need to rebuke the devil. And here's the most important part. We need to replace those thoughts with the truth. We need to get in the Word of God. 
rightly divide the word of truth. Here's what Paul said in Philippians. Here's a bold saying. I want you to be able to say this. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Do you need peace in your life? You got to replace some lies with the truth. Now, we're going to pray in a second, and God is going to do something significant in some lies. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel Him right now. Ed, I feel Him right now. He's in the room. Sheikah. Now, before, before we get into the place where your mind checks out, the Holy Ghost is about to invade and set some people free. Listen, I, 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 I just... You got, you got to read this book. You got to read it until God speaks to you. And then when God speaks to you, you need to write those things down. You getting this, Luana? You got to write those things down that God speaks to you. We read this whole book, but part of it is for you. write that thing down and you're like oh I don't know about that well you don't need to know he knows go read your Bible this week and if you don't know where to start read the book of Psalms if you're in lament you got a hard season read Psalms if you want more of Jesus if you're like I'm good with God I need more get in Luke read Luke nice and slow and say God speak to me and when he speaks write it down memorize that passage Speak it all the time. I was in a hard season and the Lord jumped out of the Bible at me. He said, the Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. I was like, I don't feel glad. I don't feel like you did anything great either. As a matter of fact, I feel like you failed me and I'm a little disappointed to be honest with you. He said, read it again. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. I said, Lord, you didn't change the Bible. It still says what I don't believe it. He said, read it again. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. And then I started remembering some things he did for me. I said, well, you did a couple things. All right, I, I, okay, you got me. You did a couple things. And I'm thankful for those things. But what about these other things? He said, read it again. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. And then I remembered when I was homeless and I didn't have nowhere to live, but now the Lord has a, a home for me in Boca with a pool that I get to jump off the roof. I'm like, okay, you done did that thing, but what about this other stuff? He said, read it again. And the Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Then I remember when I was really lonely, but now I got a family. I got a family who loves me. I got people in the church who actually care about me and call me. And then I, I started remembering when I was young and I thought my life was never going to amount to anything. And then all of a sudden I became something. And I'm like, okay, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a little bit more going on here than I thought, God, but I'm a little bit disappointed at where I'm at in my life right now. He said, read the Bible again. So the Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. And I said, well, you know, when I was a kid, I used to stay up at night worrying about when I would go to jail. I was had convinced because all my friends were getting arrested and going to jail. I knew that at some point I would go to jail. And it was, I used to regularly not be able to sleep at night because I would worry about how I would fend for myself in jail. I wasn't much of a fighter. I was a smart guy. I was a little bit quick. I could talk my way out of things, but I really didn't want to fight my way through jail. You know what I'm talking about here. I didn't, you know, I, don't, I got these hands, but I don't know if they were going to work in jail. And, um, and so I was just like, this was how I lived for a long period of my life. And then I just sat there and I said, 
I'm probably going to die having never gone to jail. And in that, this joy came over my life. That may sound crazy to you, but I know there's things in your life that you're fearing right now. And it's never going to happen. And one day you're going to be like, (laughs) one day that reality is going to hit you. The Lord has done great things for me. We are glad. Stand with me if you would and just begin to thank him for a second. Just begin to thank him for a second. You're not where you want to be. You're not where you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. Come on, somebody, and just thank him. The Lord has done great things for me. We are glad. God has made you free from that thing. Free indeed. You were blind to what God had for you, but now you can see, and the Lord is giving you a choice today, what you will focus on, the curse of before the cross or the life after the cross. I'm going to pray for you in a second, but we're going to sing this. Stanley they're going to lead us. We're going to, we're going to sing this over our lives, and the Holy Ghost is going to begin to move on the inside of you right now and birth a new hope that you didn't think you could have. You thought that it had left you, but the hope of God is now rising up on the inside of you right now, birthing the hope of God on you right now. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice right now. Come on, just sing a song of hope right now. Sing a song of hope. Come on, come on, come on. free indeed. In Christ I'm free indeed. No chains are holding me. Sing it out. It's who I choose to be. Free indeed. I'm free. Come on, there's hope indeed. at the altar of God right now. In Christ, I'm free indeed. Come on, sing it out. No chains are holding me. Come on, somebody. It's who I choose. I'm free indeed. I'm free indeed. In Christ, I'm free indeed. No chains are. It's who I choose. It's who Fallen short. I repent of those sins. Come on, do it right now. Come on, do it right now. 
Do it now. Now, now, now. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Now repeat after me. I receive my freedom. Come on, receive it right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I command the name of Jesus right now. I command the name of Jesus. Freedom over your life right now. Freedom over your life right now in the name of Jesus. You receive, you receive Jesus. Come on now, repeat after me. I rebuke the devil for my life. I rebuke the devil. Shake out of Come on, rebuke him right now. He leaves seven ways right now. In the name of Jesus, I declare the blood of Jesus over your mind. The blood of Jesus over your life. The devil flees from your family right now. Flees from your finances right now. Flees from your sleep right now. He flees from your life. I declare freedom from alcoholism in this room right now in the name of Jesus. Freedom from pornography right now in the name of Jesus. I declare that generational anger is broken in your life. Generational anxiety is broken over your life right now. I declare in the name of Jesus. I declare in the name of Jesus. Depression is broken in the name of Jesus. Ah, Now repeat after me. I replace the lie. Say it out loud. I replace the lie with the truth that I am loved by God. Fill me with your spirit. Holy Ghost, baptize me in your freedom and love. In Jesus' name. Now receive the Holy Ghost of God right now. Come on, be filled. Be filled right now. Pray in the spirit right now. All over the room. Pray in the spirit right now. Pray in the spirit right now. name of Jesus. 
And all God's people said, amen. And give a clap offering to the Lord if you would. Now listen, listen, come on, yeah, 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 yeah. This week, I want you to live in prosperity. I want you to speak to people's bondage and set them free. I want you to invite them to the place of freedom. I want you to invite them to the place of prosperity. Invite them to the place where God will set them free from what binds them. That they may have freedom of Christ in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Give a hug to two or three people and say, you are free indeed. Christ has set you free. Amen, amen, amen. Bless the Lord. God bless you. I'll see you Sunday.